and welcome to The North Pole, the election podcast from the North about the North. As we head into the very final stretch of this long and rather strange campaign, I'm joined for one last time by some fellow election watchers to chew over how it's all played out in a six-week stint that's seen the North pretty relentlessly in the spotlight. It's been yet another busy week for the region with visits from both Jeremy Corbyn and Boris Johnson, including both of them in Greater Manchester today. Uh, I'm actually on my own in the studio this week because my fellow Northern journalists have the temerity to be out in their respective patches. So down the line, I'm joined once again by Liam Thorpe, political editor with Liverpool Echo. Hi, Liam. Hi there. And for the first time by Joe Timmon, local democracy reporter with the Bolton News, who joined me on the Labour battle bus earlier today. Hi, Joe. Hi, yeah. And later I'll be speaking to the Yorkshire Post's Jerry Scott about the political storm that blew up over the story of the little boy who was pictured on the floor of Leeds General where he was being treated for pneumonia. But first, here is Jeremy Corbyn, Corbyn in Blackrod in Bolton this morning addressing the party faithful during his final tour of the region. We've now got until Thursday night to win this election. Thursday night to save the NHS. Thursday night to end child poverty in Britain. Thursday night to end homelessness in Britain. Thursday night to build the houses that we need. Thursday night, Thursday night to get a government you can trust that will actually represent people. So when Boris Johnson denied there was talks with the USA on a trade deal which would involve our NHS, then, then the documents came out in a redacted form and then the full documents came out which showed that's exactly what they'd been discussing for two whole years. How to hand over our public services to American corporations to run them. As if 10 billion of privatisation in the NHS already is not bad enough, this would be much, much worse. We will not sell our NHS to anybody. It is simply not for sale. So, Joe, you may agree with me that Bolton has been somewhat love-bombed uh, by senior politicians over the last few weeks. What's your sense of how the campaign has has gone there? Um, yeah, I mean, on the back of the Conservatives winning Bolton Council in May, or taking control of it, I think they, they have put a lot of pressure on even the safe Labour seat in Bolton. The other two are marginal seats. So um, it makes sense that they want to put the pressure on all of them, um, getting the impression that they're, well, they're a lot more convincingly confident, I think, than Labour are about, um, you know, holding on to Bolton West, really, really making it tight in Bolton North East. Um, and they're, they're definitely putting on the pressure in Bolton South East. You've got a massive um, Brexit contingent there, about 62% who voted to leave. It would be like a, a proper Portillo moment if Yasmin Qureshi loses a seat there. But um, they've definitely been ramping up the pressure, sending quite senior figures. Yeah, we've had, um, I think Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson's definitely been twice. He was going to be there in West Horton at the weekend, wasn't he? And then there was a, a kickoff at the market and it didn't happen. We've had Sajid Javid once we've had Grant Shapps. Actually, today was the first time that we'd had Jeremy Corbyn, which slightly um, surprised me. Uh, we, we, so, I mean, Jerry and I got the chance to go with him on the battle bus after he'd been in Blackrod uh, on his way up to Nelson to ask him a few questions. What were your kind of standouts of doing that? It was the first time I'd actually been on a campaign bus after God knows how many elections. What, what were your kind of thoughts when you got off the other end? Yeah, it was interesting. It's a shame we didn't have any longer to speak to him because there's obviously so much to, to discuss. But I think the standout um, comments that he made um, I thought it was really interesting how implicitly he really, really 
distances himself from New Labour and the previous Labour government. I think when he was answering one of your questions um, towards the end, he was talking about how um, public services haven't been properly funded since Thatcher, um, which sort of took me by surprise a bit. Maybe it shouldn't at this stage. Um, the other stand-up moment, again, was a response to your question about anti-Semitism. Um, when you asked him about whether Labour supporters are right to say that uh, Jewish voters are fearful of Labour because of the media whipping up um, whatever they're whipping up, he, there, was, there was a bit of a pause before he answered and he didn't really say whether he agreed or disagreed. Uh, what did you think of it? Yeah, I, I noticed exactly the same thing. Um, it, it was... I don't know whether it was that it caught him off guard or that there was actually something else that he would have preferred to have said, but he was kind of checking himself. Um, there was also a pause when I asked him about um, how he was going down in working class areas. And initially he had a kind of had a prepared response to that, but then I kind of went back to it and sort of said, well, why... If that's the case, if your message is aimed at precisely those people, why are they not, why are more of them seemingly from our conversations not convinced? And again, there was kind of a bit of a pause where I, you, I don't, I don't know, like it, it, it is sometimes those kind of like little ticks that are more revealing than anything else, I think. Um and he and he is always irritated when he's asked about anti-Semitism. There's no question about that. And he always kind of gives that away because he clearly feels as though he has answered this question and it really doesn't need to be uh, to be asked again. Um, for, for me, my, I mean, the, my other takeaway was just that it was weird being inside the campaign bus because I kind of imagined that it would be, I don't know why I thought this, but in my head it was going to be full of supporters and there was going to be like a press pack like you see on Air Force One or something when they're going on a, on a foreign trip. And actually it was Seamus Mill and Jeremy Corbyn and a press officer and a lovely lady who made us some brews. And that was like basically it. <laughs> yeah, very simple, very sort of. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't there wasn't much to it at all. I thought it was interesting as well. They said they haven't really had many journalists come around with them. I don't know how common that is from from from. I mean, you said you've never been on it before, but I'm, I would have thought that um, you know they'd be inviting nationals on all the time. But one of the things that stood out from what he was saying in both um, Blackwood and then later in Nelson, um, talk of sort of the mainstream media, uh, you know, being hostile to Labour. And I wondered if that's why maybe they haven't been inviting journalists onto the battle bus. But. Yeah, and it could be that they've been doing it one at a time because I've seen a couple of um, Labour profiles by national journalists where they clearly have um, followed Jeremy Corbyn um, on his travels. It's just that maybe there's not been like a whole pack of people following them around at any given um, at any given point. I agree with you about the, um, the, the rhetoric, rhetoric about the mainstream media, obviously, I've heard that before. I remember hearing that in 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 previous kind of lo local election rallies as well, but um, and and in the twenty seventeen campaign as well. But I did think that it was quite explicit today, and I, I think part of that was probably because of what happened yesterday with with the Leeds general stuff, where lots of political uh, lot of lots of members of the lobby had clearly been briefed that. Um, uh, uh, a Labour activist had punched a Conservative outside uh, Leeds General and that was kind of reported as being potentially true and then it all went wrong and it felt to me as though Labour had kind of taken some confidence 
from that to to have another go at the mainstream media. There was a particular go in his speech in Nelson, I think, at National Broadcasters, I noticed. I don't know whether I've misremembered that, but I'm pretty sure. No, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. And there were big boos whenever the media was mentioned. I was I was shocked, to be honest. I was waiting from the early morning uh, with a lot of the supporters. I don't think they knew I was a reporter, um, sort of embedded with all of them. And there was one Labour supporter who literally said, um, if you know, they asked someone if they're a lady, someone from the uh, BBC, and they said, well, "If you are, um, we would have beaten you up." And fairness to, to the, she was actually a member of staff uh, for the Labour Party. She immediately called it out, but it's just a bit worrying to hear stuff like that. I felt a bit uncomfortable being a reporter there, to be honest. But yeah, there was definitely a lot of hostility to the media in general, um, and that there was. I think Jeremy said in. Uh, in his speech in Blackwood, that he, you know, he highlighted the importance of, of, of the work that supporters do on social media as a sort of um, response to that, I guess. Uh, the fact that he perceives the mainstream media being very hostile towards Labour. So I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, he did. I, um, I dug out the, uh, I dug out the quote. I was, this is Jeremy Corbyn in Blackwood. I was asked this morning on the BBC how the campaign was going and I just pointed out uh, that we've travelled more and done more meetings and more rallies and more events than any other party, probably more than the others put together. And we've got uh, thousands and thousands of Labour Party supporters and activists all over the country that are taking that message out because we've got to get past mainstream media that's often very hostile to Labour. The only way of doing that is by door knocking and talking to people in town centres, but also by the work you all do on social media. Social media is very, very important as well as the independent radio and TV outlets. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting because there probably uh, is something to be looked at in terms of the way both of the parties have used um, uh, national and regional media during this campaign. Actually, I have we have not been bombarded with invites actually by either main parties. There's been a lot more from the Conservatives, um, but even so, you know, compared to previous elections. Um, it hasn't felt as though there's been as much access, but I don't know whether I'm uh, whether I'm imagining that. Liam, you you your old uh, patch was Bolton before you were on Liverpool Echo. You are ex of the Bolton News Parish, aren't you? Not only and not only uh, ex of the Bolton News, but I was for a while. I was very specifically the sort of Horwich and Blackrod uh, Cub reporter. That was my first patch on the Bolton News. So um, hearing you guys talk about some of those my old stomping grounds up in uh, in Blackrod. Uh, and Horwich was was really interesting, and um, I remember very well covering the uh, 2015 election, um, and the, it, the the Bolton West seat was very much a sort of well, it was a swing seat, and it was a, a bellwether for what was going to happen. Because I remember going into that election thinking, if Bolton West goes from Labour as it was then under uh, Julie Hilling MP to Chris Green of the Tories, then that's the way the whole election is going to go. And uh, and that was in a time when you could actually predict politics, um, and 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 it did. And you know, Chris Green has obviously held the seat since, um, and I think he'll probably feel pretty confident about doing that again. Um, it's it's the kind of seat that Labour desperately need to win if they're going to claw back those Northern Heartlands that you were just talking about. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 been a bit of. Um... I mean, God, that that was all kind of pre the 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 current. Uh regime in both parties isn't it it's weird to look back at 2015 and what a completely different landscape it was simpler times simpler times. i know i know there's 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 been a bit of a uh, i've seen a bit of kind of national commentary chat in this election about um jeremy corbyn's rallies being a bit flatter than they were last time it's not actually something that i've 
I've really noticed. I've got to say, I went to one in Manchester at the start of the campaign and it seemed just as enthused. Certainly there were kind of reasonable numbers of people out in the pouring rain in Blackrod and, um, and Nelson uh, this morning on a weekday morning. How, how do you feel it's kind of gone in uh, Merseyside on, on the ground? Well, it's, it's, a, it's funny being in Merseyside during a general election campaign because basically neither of the main two parties comes here because Labour don't need to come here um, and the Tories know they haven't got hope in hell here. So, I mean, obviously they'll go to, we have some of the outlying seats, but speaking about, say, Liverpool as the city, you know, um, Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell came very, right at the start for one of the sort of main kind of launch pieces, uh, launch sort of days, and, and um, they brought the battle bus for the first time. And that was a, that was a big event, really well attended, um, loads of energy and, and got things started. And then, and then understandably, really, we haven't, we haven't heard from them around here since because they've got so many marginals to get across and seats that they need to defend. And, the, you know, in Liverpool, that's just not never going to be a priority. I think in the last election, they, they came here a little bit more because there, there was more of that kind of going for the, you know, big rallies um, in, in, in open air spaces, that kind of 70s style campaigning. This time, I think they know they've got they've got their work cut out in terms of getting into those key marginals. And obviously, you know, the, the, the last time Boris Johnson came to Merseyside was when he, he snuck in uh, to try and have those talks with Leo Varadkar and tried to tried to hide and try, tried to call it Cheshire to prove that he actually wasn't coming to Merseyside. And you hunted we, uh, him down. <laughs> we, we tracked him down. We tracked him down. But um, it, it, but I've been interested that I've I've not seen much of the Tories in in some of the marginal seats that we thought they might fancy, like Wirral West and Southport. Um, I, I think we have, we have, we've we've not seen anything from from Boris Johnson, probably because he knows that he'd have to come and speak to us, which he, he certainly wouldn't fancy. But in terms of Labour support here in, in across Merseyside, it seems to me as as energetic and as fulsome as ever. There's huge numbers of people going out from from the stronghold that is Liverpool to support uh, candidates in places like Crewe and Nantwich and over in Southport and all those marginal seats. So I think, once again, Liverpool is providing a strong energetic base for Labour, even though nothing actually needs to take place in the city itself. Yeah, it's been um, it's been very similar here. I think, you know, huge numbers of Manchester activists going out all over the northwest and down to Crewe, up to Blackpool, um, even down to Stoke. Um, what One thing I've uh, noticed is we have not heard from Liberal Democrats at all in this election. And you talked about the 2015 campaign before. I remember the 2010 campaign when um, I was, it was the kind of last thing more or less that I did on the Stockport Express before I moved on to the evening news. And Cheadle uh, in that election and Hazel Grove to some extent as well was so bitterly contested. You couldn't move for senior figures either from the Conservative Party or the um, or, or the Lib Dems. And it was the same in 2015 as well. And this time the Tories... Um, have I don't know, I think there's been one Boris Johnson visit to Cheadle and there's been nothing from the Liberal Democrats. Have uh, have either of you kind of heard much either from the Lib Dems as a party or are you hearing them mentioned on the ground when you're talking to people? Um, so when I've been speaking to uh, you know voters when I've gone along on campaigns, um, specifically when I was thinking to Labour canvases actually, they've been saying they've not really heard anyone saying that they're going to vote Lib Dem. Um, I've not really heard much from the Lib Dems, aside from early on getting some candidates sort of localising a lot of their policies and um, in terms of visits, nothing at all. So, yeah, simple answers, no. no how about you, Liam? Because th- there, are, there are pockets of Lib Dem support on Merseyside, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, what people often forget when they when they look at the uh, you know rampant Labour stronghold that is Liverpool is that as 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 recently as two thousand and eight, Lib Dems controlled the city council here, uh, which people often forget, um, and had controlled it for some time. 
Um, you know, obviously that it, politically that feels a long time ago now, but it isn't that long ago in terms of the actual date. And in um, in Southport, which is a three-way marginal, um, the John Pugh held that seat for four terms. Uh, they, I think it was five terms overall for the Lib Dems, a real stronghold. However, they have, in the last election, when the Tories took Southport, Labour rocketed into second place. And now all of the kind of experts are telling people that if they want to vote tactically, they need to vote Labour in Southport um, to get the Tories out. And and I think possibly because of that, it, it almost feels like the Lib Dems have, have given up a little bit on that because I've I've, I've heard very little from them Certainly, no visits from any any big names in the party over to Southport that we've been made aware of. Anyway, they might, there's every chance they haven't just invited us, but it doesn't feel like it feels like they are not focusing on on our neck of the woods at all. Locally, um, we have some some well known local candidates who've been councillors for ages in Liverpool, like like Richard Kemp, who's the leader of the Lib Dems and very well known locally. He's standing in in Liverpool Wavertree. He, he won't win, but he'll probably get a decent show of support. Because he's because of his local standing, but realistically, I, I just I just heard basically hardly anything at all from the Lib Dems, and and I think that personally has been a bit reflective of, of their campaign in general. I, it seems to have gone out with a bit of a whim. Mm, yeah, I think I th- yeah I think that's right, and I mean it's it's difficult, isn't it, to know what they have been doing down in the southwest and around London because we're not there. But I'm assuming that there is activity down there that we're not experiencing. But Luciana Berger, for example, who obviously we is currently still a Liverpool Wavertree MP. Um, I've seen I've seen far more from her and her local campaign in, in Finchley and Golders Green than I have from pretty much any other um, Liberal Democrat across the board. So I think they are really, really focusing on on those few seats that they think they can, you know, overturn the Tories in. And I think that's pretty much been seems to have been what their game plan has been reduced to. Hey, Bolton probably it shouldn't be surprising in Bolton that the Lib Dems hasn't sent anyone um, sort of any national figures. Um, because they're targeting Remain seats, aren't they? And Bolton is predominantly quite a lead area, some more than 60% in uh, one of the constituencies. Um, as a whole, Bolton, I think, was like 55%, something like that. So it probably shouldn't be that surprising that they're not sending anyone here. No, it's it's not surprising in terms of Bolton. I think, um, you know, Manchester Withington, the, the change in Manchester Withington from being something which relatively recently was essentially a swing seat uh, and a very, very, very bitterly uh, fought one as well um that has also been fairly quiet in terms of uh, national focus but also I, as i say Cheadle is the one that really surprises me i don't know whether you know the, each party respectively has decided that actually it's not a really it's not a contest that it's easily being held by the conservatives it wasn't that wasn't necessarily the sense i think that we got when we went out there on the ground this week there was a lot of um a lot of people talking about voting tactically over brexit because it's you know like those seats in the southwest they're sort of uh brexit wise they remain but electorally they have been um, conservative for the last two elections. So if you're a voter in Cheadle, obviously you've got a number of kind of potentially conflicted loyalties and, conf- and contradictions to work through. So I think there's a lot of tactical voting going on there. So I don't know, maybe the Conservatives have concluded that they're okay there and the Lib Dems have decided it's not worth a fuss or perhaps it's part of this kind of wider thing that we were talking about earlier on about um, maybe the, the the strategy of all the parties this time has been to do a bit less of talking to us. Like I, I, I'm not quite sure, but there's definitely, certainly there has been less of it than there has been in um, in previous campaigns. 
So this week also saw one of the biggest stories of what's been a, a pretty tightly controlled campaign. On Sunday night, the Yorkshire Evening Post published the story of four-year-old Jack, whose mother had pictured him on the floor of Leeds General, where he was being treated for pneumonia due to a lack of available beds. Earlier, I spoke to Jerry Scott of the YEP's sister title, the Yorkshire Post, about how that story went global, eventually embroiling Boris Johnson, Matt Hancock, half the political lobby and a social media conspiracy. So tell me from your point of view, Jerry, how this story played out. Well, it kind of all started on Sunday when Jack's mum, Sarah, got in touch with with our sister paper, the York Creeping Post, and and one of my colleagues, Dan, you know, did the did the story, spoke to Sarah. She sent him across a photo of little Jack on the floor. Um, and we did all our due diligence, as you would expect from um, the country's most trusted newspaper, um, called the hospital, got their response, and the story went live in it kind of all went from there it got picked up by the mirror on monday morning um and then all all hell was unleashed really and um and little jack started being used as a bit of a political football yeah i mean uh, did it did it come as a bit of a surprise that it went as big as it did or was it kind of almost inevitable do you think given the stage of the campaign when it emerged so these stories aren't new are they you know um in in a a former life i was a health correspondent and we often had stories like this i think why this one has hit such a nerve is because of the stage of the election campaign we're in labor has basically pitched their whole campaign around the nhs so of course they were going to jump on it and then boris johnson's reaction yesterday morning monday morning where he took uh, the mobile phone off ITV reporter and Joe Pike when he was asked to look at the photo just made things worse. It completely played into into Labour's hands. Matt Hancock was dispatched to the to the LGI to the hospital to try and smooth things over. Was met by a few protesters and it all spiralled from there. It's been absolutely manic, really. Yeah, it's um, it's been very it's been very strange, hasn't it? It feels to me as though kind of if you, t- if you take a step back from it. Um, the Tories have made uh, a few kind of tactical errors really around this. I mean, Boris Johnson's response um, as something I was at last night, the first thing somebody said to me was, um, "What a what, on a kind of human level, what a strange response. And there was, we were kind of having a discussion about whether, it, if anything, it just kind of displayed a degree of panic on his part that he was being confronted with something that he just kind of didn't really know what to do with and just sort of instinctively shoved the phone into his pocket. But obviously just made it so much worse and make him look like, made him look like he had no empathy. And also kind of like weird lack of political skill in not just saying, you know, my heart goes out to this um, child's parents. You know, nobody wants to be in that position. Um I suppose maybe he doesn't particularly want to highlight that he's a parent himself, but you know, there are ways of dealing with it, aren't there? And then the briefing, what I, what I take to have been briefing of lobby journalists to say that, 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 um, situation outside Leeds General had actually been a, um, a Labour activist hitting a Tory. And of course that was wrong. I don't think that actually played out particularly well for the Conservatives either. It just kind of has this air of sort of, I don't know, like the kind of cloud over it. Do you know what I mean? Mm, so I was there. You know, I, I I was tipped off by a source that Matt Hancock was coming to Leeds. Um, but the Tories didn't tell us. We weren't invited. The BBC was invited and was in there doing an interview with him. Um, so there I am hanging around outside. Out he comes. There are a few protesters there. I asked them if they were Labour Party members and a couple of them said, yeah, yeah, I am. You know, I don't think that means that they're 
concerns aren't valid. Um, and I, I was there. I didn't see a punch, which, as we now know, there wasn't one. But I heard pretty quickly that there were rumours there had been one. And I thought, you know, I've been here the whole time. I think if something like that had happened, I would have seen it. We checked out with West Yorkshire Police, who also said they had not received any reports. But by then it was too late. Someone had already briefed, you know, lobby journalists that someone had been punched. It had been tweeted. People had picked it up. It was out there. Um, And it just shows the importance of responsible journalism, doesn't it? And checking what you've been told before before tweeting. Um, It's got even madder since, as you see various accounts on the internet posting the exact same message trying to debunk the story and saying that it's all been staged it's it's been a whirlwind 24 hours yeah i mean there's obviously a lot of uh, marginal seats in your neck of the woods as we've talked about before um do you think this kind of um the the scale of the noise around this story do you think it has the potential to to shift uh, any votes and to have any kind of decisive impact so you're right when we've when i've you know joined you on your uh, on the brilliant podcast before it's we've spoken about how the tories are targeting these northern labor health seats i think it could move the dial i don't think it's going to make enough of a, dif- of a difference for labor to hold on to some of those seats but i do think people saw the reaction yesterday and they weren't impressed So we're now into the final 24 hours of the campaign, meaning our work here is very nearly done. It seems only right that we have a quick run through of our standout moments, highlights and probably a fair few lowlights. Um, Joe, what's been your favourite moment uh, on the campaign trial? Any low points? Um, I don't know about low points. I I mean, this morning waiting for Jeremy Corbyn to arrive in Blackwood in the rain. He was late. And um, as much as the uh, Labour supporters were all really excited, and keeping everyone's spirits up, it was very, very miserable. Um, but to be honest, my highlight was probably just a few hours later because it was pretty cool getting on the um, on the battle bus. Never done anything like that before. Um, seeing what it's like on the inside. And the weirdest moment was only a few minutes after that when, um, I think you commented on this as well, when we stepped out of the battle bus in Nelson to adoring crowds, um, all screaming and uh, very excited to see Corbyn and, and <laughs> lo and behold they saw us um, but it that, was, that was really quite a weird experience <laughs> it was a really strange feeling it was like being in a band or something but like being I don't know like being the roadie or something and everyone's yeah. like waiting for the star to get off and then it's like everyone's really disappointed when it turns out to be you but I think it goes back to what you were saying sort of about um, you know whether Corbyn rallies have gone a bit flat judging by today even just today alone I don't think so no, Nelson actually particularly struck me more so than Blackrod, but I suppose Blackrod was Blackrod was early. I mean, that was kind of 8 a.m. Um, but I mean, he, what time did we rock up in Nelson? About 10 in the morning. I mean, the people who were there were really meant it. I mean, there were people who were clearly just seen that there was something going on and that they were kind of along for the ride to see what was happening. Um, but, but I mean, there was real enthusiasm there considering that it was a freezing cold December Tuesday you know, uh, morning. It, yeah, I it, it certainly certainly felt enthused. I agree with you. I think um, I think my low point probably was standing in that car park this morning in the f- freezing, driving rain. Uh, it was uh, yeah. Although I mean, to be honest, uh, the ca- whole campaign's felt like one long low point. To be honest, for me. <laughs> but I think my my high point was. Um, when I went out in Radcliffe to speak to voters, there was uh, this amazing shop there called Classical Times. It's like an antique 
store and it's like two floors with like amazing stuff like really amazing bargains and the woman was saying that you know the high street's dying here and we don't know whether we're still going to be here in a year's time and I just thought oh my god I need to get the word out about this place because it's absolutely fantastic so that's my plug go to classical times in Radcliffe how about you Liam what what have your high points and low points been um, so obviously, not as, as as I said before, there's not been loads in terms of actual campaign stuff going on here, but um, a couple of sort of memorable moments. Um, very, very early on, um, Corbyn came to Liverpool and held a, a rally at a, a very sort of uh, Liverpool venue. It, it, it used to be a, a really well-known bar called Smoky Moe's, which is a bit legendary locally. So everyone found it quite hilarious that he was uh, holding a rally at this quite, what used to be quite a rough bar. Um, and he was he was late and he, he, would, he was on a, train that was delayed at crew which obviously added to his uh, his narrative and in the end a, 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 a little huddle of local journalists had to um basically in, interview him in what was a disused bar behind the stage and i'm um, sort of pretending i was asking him very sort of serious questions about whether it was anti-semitism or labor party processes as he was stood next to a big cause light sign and uh, it was all just it was all just very surreal really in fact actually it looked like because of the tiling a lot of people thought we were doing it in a public toilet which uh, gave me a, a fun time on Twitter as well. Um, in terms of low points, um, it wasn't really a low point for me, but the, we held a, um, in Liverpool, we held a sort of question time, like a local version of question time event, which I chaired at the university. And uh, this uh, this uh, Tory candidate who's standing in the incredibly safe seat of Sefton Central, um, very kindly agreed to come along to a question time hostings in central Liverpool uh, university, uh, university, which, as you can imagine, only went one way for him. Um, and I had to I had to step in quite a lot to the uh, rather baying crowd who were um, eventually he just, he just, you know, he tried manfully, but eventually he just sort of said, I, I can't I can't really say anything here because it's, it's not going to go down well, is it? And he sort of looked at me with those sort of puppy dog eyes. And uh, as I sort of took the microphone away from him and, and basically kept him shielded from then on. So that was a bit of a low point for, for him. But I was I was still pleased that he came along. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a funny campaign, hasn't it? Because it's been, it's been sort of on the social media side of things. I suppose there's been quite a lot of dark stuff swirling around, and obviously, um, the, the all of the things that were happening in uh, Leeds uh, uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday and the day before, around what happened at Leeds Hospital. But I mean, do, do we feel kind of do we feel positive about the state of democracy at the end of this campaign? Any thoughts? Absolutely not. <laughs> that's my final say no I can't I can't say I've held any confidence <laughs> right okay well that seems an appropriate uh, way to end the series uh, fabulous thank you so much to all of my guests both today and across the whole of this series we will actually be doing a one-off morning after podcast uh, on Friday morning um, but otherwise until then get out to the to the voting booths thank you so much for listening and we will see you on the other side download the north pole wherever you listen to your podcasts but for exclusive interactive immersive content download the entail app for ios if you like what you heard please rate and review the north pole and help other listeners discover us too the north pole is a laudable production featuring titles including the manchester evening news the liverpool echo and the yorkshire post you can find out more about laudable and its other local podcasts by following us on social media on twitter where we're at laudable pods and instagram by searching for laudable underscore podcasts